Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's Monday edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean, and whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9 FM, if you're listening live via the stream from ESPNTucson.com, we do appreciate you tuning in here every weekday as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, bringing you all the best that we possibly can in the world of sports, giving you some insight, some uh, compelling news, information, and, of course, having a little fun here as well. Speaking of fun, Josh Meadmore is our winner of the FC Tucson tickets. He's going to have himself a little fun this Saturday night, going to watch some soccer, some football action out there at Kino North. And uh, thank you, Josh. Congratulations. Thank you for listening, and uh, enjoy the game on Saturday. Some big news over the weekend that uh, that hit, and it was, uh, look, it's, it started getting reported by many of the outlets there in Tucson, as, of course, many people are dialed in including our one very own Justin Spears, which you can hear right here every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. on the Spears Ali Show. Uh, As it was announced that Arizona football has landed a big-time, and I do mean big-time, recruit. Four-star tight end Kean Burnett commits to join. Now, this is a verbal commit. This is for the class of 2022, okay? Uh, Let's just make sure that we're all dotting the I's and crossing the T's here. Uh, that Kean Burnett has verbally committed to the Arizona Wildcat program uh, leading into the 2022 season. Now, Kean Burnett, who is the son of Chester Burnett, who many of you may recognize the name. He was a linebacker under Dick Tomey during the Desert Swarm era. So as a, a legacy recruit, Kean has committed to come join the Wildcats and Jed Fish and his program, and uh, we're very excited about that. Now, some of the things that are incredibly exciting about all this, not only – it's it's Arizona has missed out on a lot of legacy recruits because it's getting to be that, that time, right, where a lot of the guys that were members of that Desert Swarm era are now having children that are getting into their junior, senior years of high school, uh, that they're also playing football. And these are, these are high-quality athletes that – it would have been great to secure their commitments as legacy recruits to Tucson to come back home where the dad played. It's always not only is it a great feel good for the community and the fans and the department and the program, but look, it's also a fun family thing as well. And a lot of these kids, uh, you know, follow in their dad's footsteps. They're very proud of the work that their fathers have put in and, tend to play a little bit differently at those types of programs um, where they are a legacy recruit. And they get treated uh, as such. You know, the, these kids are, are uh, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of stories to be shared, okay, from alumnus and, and, and such. So it's fun to have legacy recruits, and it's something that this program, as I mentioned, has, has missed out on horribly over the last several years as the previous two regimes – the Rich Rodriguez regime and the Kevin Sumlin regime essentially did not care about U of A's football history. They were going to come in, they were going to do their own thing, they were going to start their new history, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Okay? And while I won't 
sit here and trash the Rodriguez era a whole lot because Arizona had immense success under Rich Rodriguez, and he is an incredible football coach. He really is. Uh, the way he, he went about not embracing the history of his program, I think is going to be something that we lament over time. But the results speak for themselves, and the team played extremely well in certain seasons under Rich Rodriguez, of course, getting to a Fiesta Bowl. But the Jed Fish era, of course, being a guy who has been around Dick, Dick Tomey, finds it important to bring back some of these legacy-type players and, of course, has embraced the former letter winners of Arizona football. And that has been huge in getting some of these signees uh, and commitments to come play, come play for Arizona. Now, Kean Burnett, who currently plays for plays high school for Anaheim Servite, which is a huge program in California in the OC, um, Arizona has already landed a commitment from quarterback Noah Fafita. Okay, of course we all know about Noah, and he'll be in Tucson next year. And now his teammate Kean Burnett, who is a very highly touted tight end. He's a he's a four star four star tight end leaning on a five-star, and look, this is one of those situations where, you know, if, and he was committed to USC, okay? Now, let, let's remember, Kean Burnett was committed to USC. He decommitted a, a month or two ago, okay? Um, was committed to hometown USC, decommitted, and decided to reopen his recruitment and has landed at Arizona, given his verbal to Arizona. He's the, depending on which service you, you subscribe to, whether it's Rivals or 247, he is the seventh-rated tight end in 2022. He's the 14th best overall prospect from the state of California. <laughs> okay, he's the number one-rated tight end in California, number seven-rated tight end in the country, and the number 14 overall prospect from the state of California. Those are huge numbers. All three of those are incredible numbers. He is the biggest recruit that Arizona has brought in since Booby Curry. He will be the high, high, most highly touted tight end recruit since Mike Stoops brought in a guy by the name of Rob Ronkowski from the East Coast many, many years ago. Now, what this also does is now there are, there are, there's a group of, of three young men on that Anaheim Servite team. They call themselves, I think they call themselves like the Juice Club or, or something, something about the juice. Orange County, okay. Um, that's where the whole the juice aspect comes in. Juice County, okay? Um, this is going to open the door for arguably the best, I, I would say, I wouldn't say the best, the second best recruit in the state of California, okay? Uh, a guy by the name of Titiroa McMillan. That's going to be tough to get, get used to. Titiroa McMillan, we'll call him T-Mac. That's his nickname. T-Mac is a wide receiver on this Anaheim Servite high school football team, and he is best friends with quarterback Noah Fafita and tight end Kean Burnett. They all made visits to Arizona. They had a lot of fun while they were here, put on some jerseys. They had some fun with some orange juice, okay, playing on that whole Orange County, Juice County, Juice Club uh, moniker that they have labeled themselves. Now, Titiroa... T-Mac, he still ha is uncommitted. He is, depending on which service you subscribe to, he is either the fourth-rated or the second-rated player in the state of California. He is argue he's, he's inarguably the best wide receiver in the state of California. 
and arguably the second or first best player in the state of California. Now, I, I don't know how familiar you are with recruiting and such, but we've seen it before where players from high school, best friends, have followed one another to whichever area, you know, whichever school they have committed to and decided to run it back or play together, or, you know, keep the keep the, the dream alive, keep the team together, whatever have you, whatever kind of statements that they want to make about it. But now Arizona has gotten two of the three-legged monster that is the big three on the offensive side of the ball for Anaheim Servite, which is a, again, folks, I, I can't diminish this, you know, at all. It is a power program in the state of California and in the country. Anaheim Servite is a huge feeder of talent. And Arizona has now landed verbally, okay, again, I'll believe it when I see it on signing day. Once we get them signed and delivered, then we can officially celebrate. But right now, it's just very, very exciting. But if you get both the quarterback and the tight end, history has shown that a lot of times that third leg will continue and he will come and play with his other two teammates. So this was a huge move for Jed Fish and for the Wildcats in getting a player like a Kean Burnett, who is such a highly touted player. And I've, I've, I've talked about Noah Fafita on the show before. If Noah Fafita were five inches taller, he'd be the number two rated quarterback in the country. He is that good. He is phenomenal. But he's five foot ten. Okay? And we've, we've talked about this. And, again, sometimes having those players who are smaller in stature has driven them to greatness. We've certainly seen it before. Now, I thought one of the – one of the great things about this whole commitment process from Kean Burnett and talking about his his father, of course, Chester, who played linebacker under Dick Tomey, was some of the quotes that Kean Burnett made during his visit. He said, uh, and this is from this is from these are quotes from the story uh, from Justin Spears story, of course, from the uh, Arizona Daily Star. You can find it on Tucson.com. And he updated the story recently. Now, some of the quotes in this story, he says, what struck me about my first visit to Arizona was not anything to do with the campus itself. It was more about the gratitude when I got there. Now, he made this in a, in a, in a YouTube video that he made in his, in his home. He said, I just really felt honored to be there, and I didn't think that I would feel that way when I got there. This was a place that, my, that gave my dad everything to succeed. Walking on that field was like walking on hollow ground. I love the great players that played there. They're legends in my life. Now, Burnett said that he could see similarities between the stories that his father would tell about his coaches at Arizona compared to the new regime. Quote, I feel like they can help me become the best player that I can be, and I want to play for them. Coach Carroll, talk about Brennan Carroll, who, of course, son of Pete Carroll, was brought in under Jed Fish's uh, coaching staff. Coach Carroll is a mastermind. And I can't wait to see what he brings to the table. He's right there. He's got that correct. Coach Fish is making his mark, and he's doing that by being himself and using his professional experience to bring Arizona back to its glory days. These are quotes from this young man, a a soon-to-be senior in high school. Except these next days are about to be better. We want to build on what my dad and his teammates did. Coach, when he said coach, he's referring to Jordan Pow Pow. Uh, Coach has been my guy forever. He's been building a relationship with me for years. And I thought that was 
really interesting insight from that young man talking about how the stories that his father would tell him about the Dictomi era at Arizona feels very similar to the experience that he had in just a small scope, of course, the experience that he had in visiting Arizona's football program under Jed Fish. So this is huge for Arizona. I mean, look, this is not this is not anything that should be swept under a rug or downplayed. If if Key and Burnett signs his verbal commitment and signs his intent to play at Arizona, and if he's also able to no Fafita is doing his job, right? He's he's re- he's recruiting his teammates at Servite. If he's able to recruit one more, T Mac, T Tyroa McMillan, the top-rated wide receiver in the state of California, that will be a coup, and let's not call it anything other than that, a coup for the Jedi, Jed Fish, and the Arizona coaching program and, and this football program. Because getting players like that, you, you, don't, you don't get players like that, a trio like that, in your first year. You just don't. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. This is not, okay, this is not the SEC. This is not Ed Orgeron showing up first day at LSU and being able to recruit whatever players he wants and getting five stars left and right because that's just something that happens in that particular situation. But first-time coaches playing, coaching at Arizona after a 12, or in the midst right now of, of a 12-game losing streak, after losing a rivalry game by an astronomical number, which will not be repeated on this show, do not get players like this from a program like Anaheim Servite. They do not get noticed by players who are playing, you know, at, at, at big, big programs Glo- nationally, like whether it be down in Florida or in Texas or in California. They, they, they don't get recruits like this. This is huge for Arizona, huge. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how that develops over time. Because look, the kid is is a superstar in in California right now. Obviously, he's been recruited by every major, you know, every major football program in the country. Had decommitted from USC to join Arizona. So huge get for Jed Fish, Jordan Pow Pow. Coach Brennan, of course, it, look, it, it, this is going to, to serve so well for them if, in fact, he does sign. But let's, so let's not count our chickens before they've hatched, as they say. But this is a good one. This is a good one, and the kid sounds really excited to be here and got all of the feels during his visit, as they, as they say. So good news for Arizona football. Also, uh, for Arizona basketball, they continue to draw interest from recruits and transfers as Kylan Boswell, a five-star point guard for the 2023 class, took an unofficial, an unofficial visit over the weekend. He plays, he's from, uh, from Corona, California, plays at Centennial High School in Corona. He is a genuinely considered one of the, one of the best point guards in the country. He's at a five-star rating, of course, in both, uh, both services. He currently has offers from Kansas, Illinois, Louisville, Texas, and then also Pac-12 schools such as USC, UCLA, Stanford, and Washington. Picks up the offer, um, I believe it was shortly after Coach Lloyd arrived in Tucson, uh, probably in like late May, I want to say, he got the offer from Arizona, made his unofficial visit. And 
uh, seemed to be, you know, extremely receptive uh, to that visit. So uh, a nice, uh, a nice visit from uh, from a five-star point guard. And again, this is drawing interest. These are these are situations early on in a in a coaching regime where you're trying to draw interest. You're trying to get into a situation where you're moving on from the previous uh, from the previous head coach and all of the issues that uh, that came with that. Also, a transfer by the name of Kim Aiken, who I saw last year when Arizona played Eastern Washington at uh, at McHale. Um, it was a close game. I think we I think we won that game by three points. Um, now Kim Aiken was the Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year last year. He had already committed to Arizona as a transfer to Sean Miller, but when Sean Miller was fired, he he removed his commitment to Arizona, committed to Washington State to go play for Kyle Smith, and Kyle Smith was extremely excited to have a player like Kim Aiken come join his program. And now Kim Aiken has decommitted from Washington State. He decommitted uh, middle of last week. And it is expected that he will show interest again in Tommy Lloyd's program at Arizona. Of course, uh, Kim Aiken, as I mentioned, the the player of the defensive player of the year in the Big Sky last season. I, at the game I saw last year, I'm trying to remember. I, I looked at the I looked at the box score. He did not play well. He scored six points. He was one for eight from the field, one for seven from beyond the arc. But Ewash took a ton of threes in that game, and I think it was just kind of like. The, the you know the, the mentality was just like just keep shooting threes, keep shooting threes, and that's what they did. It kind of kept them in the game. Uh, but look, he's a he's a tough guy. He is going to bring a lot of experience if he does end up signing with Arizona, and it will be nice to have him because he also does have two years of eligibility left. Now he's a redshirt senior this season, but because of the COVID waiver, okay, players did not lose their eligibility based on playing last year. So he will essentially repeat, you know, two years of eligibility as a redshirt senior. I know it's kind of convoluted and, and, and you know, different from what we're used to. But, yes, that's, that's how it's going to work. He is going to have two years of eligibility as a redshirt senior, not a redshirt junior, but, yeah, it's, I, don't, I know it's weird. It's COVID. COVID. Just, just put the COVID label on everything. If you don't understand something, just say hashtag COVID. With school just around the corner, we want to help you and the student in your life get the supplies that they need to succeed. ESPN Tucson is giving you the chance to win a $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree. You can register once per day through August 9th. Just go to the website, ESPNTucson.com, follow the links that you need to get through the process, and get yourself registered to win the $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree. Coming up next, NFL training camp news. Jordan Hicks, linebacker of the Arizona Cardinals, speaks. Uh, on his trade demands that were back in May. We'll talk about that, the rest of the NFC West, and where Nick Foles may end up playing this NFL season. All that and more, you're listening to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. It's Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. We've been talking some Arizona football, some Arizona basketball, some exciting news for both programs on the, over the weekend. And uh, we'll keep a close eye on anything else that's new, and we'll bring you some of the news. And, of course, Justin Spears and Ali are 
close to the uh, close to the ground as well. And they're here every weekday from three to six p.m., bringing you that news as well. We're going to talk some NFL training camp. We'll go around uh, around the league a little bit. Talk about some of the you know the different stories that are out there. Some some interesting news that is that is happening and how it may affect uh, us here on the West or you know some former players from the uh, from the U of A. Now, here's on the Cardinals, which opened training camp just like everyone else did last week, uh, amidst some some controversy with a couple of their defensive players. Jordan Hicks, who had asked for a trade in May after having a discussion with Steve Keim as before before Zaven Collins, who was the, the first-round pick of the Cardinals this, this past offseason, before he's even gotten into town and gotten on the field, they basically told Jordan Hicks, who has been a starter since his rookie season, that he's going to be number two on the depth chart behind this rookie. And at that point, the 29-year-old linebacker, who has been a, a good performer for the Cardinals since, basically said, I still believe I'm, I'm a starter in this league, and rightfully so, <laughs> and uh, asked for a trade. Now, he says the desire to seek a trade back in May, following a conversation, he said, quote, I respected the fact that he told me straight up, I respected the fact that he told me he was going to work with me to try to honor a trade. But nothing happened in the amount of, in, you know, in the space between when they had their conversations in May and, of course, now when training camp has started. Now, his decision to report to camp, talking about Jordan Hicks, uh, to start his, you know, his new season with the Cardinals, whether or not he gets traded, he's starting to take on that mentor role now as course he's going to be mentoring second year linebacker and uh you know everything swiss army linebacker uh from clemson isaiah simmons and zaven collins the new linebacker from tulsa now even with all the frustration that is still lingering and not being traded and not being put into the starting lineup he's starting to become that guy like and i don't mean that guy who's a vocal malcontent on the team he's going the other way he said quote I don't try to waver who I am, whether I'm out there starting or whether I'm not. I'm going to help whoever needs help because I feel like I've got a lot of knowledge to share. He praised Collins for his ability to pick up the defense and to be out there and commanding it. And his main role, he said, will be to continue help both the rookie and second-year Isaiah Simmons get ready for week number one. He says, I think at this point I've proven that I'm a starter in this league by the resume that I have, and by the past two years of being here and showing my leadership, showing my play on the field. And so whether it's here or whether it's somewhere else, if given the opportunity to compete, I think I can have a starting job. So taking the right approach is Jordan Hicks. You like to see that. Somebody, you know, a a lot of these players who demand trades that end up holding out uh, don't have the same type of mentality that Jordan Hicks has to want to help the young players in that position. So it appears Jordan Hicks is all in for the team for the time being until he gets traded, which I do believe they should do. Um, you know, I think there's there's some value there for him, and if you're not going to start him, then why have him on the bench? There's news out of San Francisco that Trey Lance has looked really good, and I watched some videos over the weekend, and, yeah, I mean, the, the highlight reel, again, don't be fooled by the highlight reel. Let's we would have to see it in its entirety. Not to mention he's going against you know practice dummies. So let's call it like it is. Trey Lance is an interesting prospect. 
And obviously, the San Francisco 49ers feel very highly about him because they traded so much to get to him, right? They gave Miami the number 12 overall pick and two future first-rounders to move up to number three to take Trey Lance at the quarterback position. Now, when I say he's pushing, pushing Jimmy G, it's not pushing Jimmy G for the starting job. He's pushing, pushing Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, to do better. Cal Shanahan was quoted over the weekend basically as saying that Jimmy Garoppolo looks great in camp this year, certainly a lot better than he looked last year. Essentially saying that before camp even broke, before the season began and before Garoppolo got hurt and ended his season, that Garoppolo didn't look right, that he wasn't, he wasn't grasping the system. Things did not look good for the 49ers, and we saw it early. The 49ers were struggling to score points early in the season in their passing game. And, look, they are not going to be a team that threatens the ball down, you know, deep down the field. They're just not that way. They're a very power-running game offense that uses a lot of underneath throws to open up an occasional big throw over the top. And now they have a couple of home run hitters, specifically Brandon Ayuk, who, you know, even though he went to that school up north, he is a tremendous player for the 49ers, and they're going to use him uh, a lot in their offense. So Jimmy G apparently looking really, really good in 49ers camp and the 49ers obviously expected to push for that NFC West title. Also looking good in the NFC West right now, apparently reports out of Seattle are that Russell Wilson and the receiving core are in midseason form. They had uh, a spirited practice on Saturday, uh, like a scrimmage-type practice, and Wilson and D.K. Metcalf and that receiving core just tore the top off the defense, apparently made a spectacle of that Seahawks defense out there, and so... Seahawks offense appears to be clicking quite well. Again, this is not against live defenses who are designed to stop you. But, again, it's worth noting that when teams look, you know, certain positions or players or teams look in midseason form early, that's usually a good sign. And you expect it out of them. Russell Wilson is a veteran quarterback, one of the better in the league, and I think he has one of the top three receiving cores in the league as well. And in Los Angeles, it appears that uh, Matt Stafford – is adjusting nicely to Sean McVay's offense. And they have had some really good competition between the defensive and offensive sides of the ball. It's been really stiff during the first week of camp. I guess Jalen Ramsey picked off a a Matt Stafford pass and went 90 yards for a touchdown. And then Stafford on the next series responded with a 62-yard touchdown pass. So, it's been going back and forth. They're very competitive in Los Angeles. And look, we know that the Rams roster is loaded with talent. Of course, the loss of Cam Akers is huge, and that's going to affect their offense. But I still believe uh, that that offense will be fine. The defense is extremely talented. We know what they can do. And again, it just, it just goes to show you just how good the NFC West is right now. And we didn't even talk about the Cardinals' offense with how Kyler Murray looks and how he and A.J. Green have actually looked really, really well uh, hooking up in camp so far. So, look, the the offenses in this, in this league are going to be very good. The defenses are going to be quite good as well. Um, maybe not as good as in some of the years in past. In fact, I think San Francisco and Los Angeles are probably going to be fi- vying for the top two defenses in this league, uh, in, this, in this division. But you can never count out a team that's coached by Pete Carroll 
who is a great defensive mastermind as well. So, look, that's your that's your NFC West kind of training camp report. Also, real quick, Carson Wentz, who hurt his foot, and the early report was that it was some type of a combination of a bone and a ligament injury, had an MRI, but has decided against surgery for the time being and is going to instead try to rehab the the foot. Now, there's a lot of ramifications in whether or not he plays this year. Obviously, Indianapolis is a is a playoff caliber football team right now, and with a healthy Carson Wentz, they are certainly in the conversation for heading to the AFC Championship game. They're that good. Um, if they, you know, if he's unable to play, obviously things are going to change there. Now there are ramifications also for the Philadelphia Eagles. They get a high compensatory pick if Carson Wentz is able to play seventy-five percent of the snaps this year. So they're hoping that Carson Wentz is able to go in Philadelphia as well. And depending on MRI results, which I think they're going to report today, uh, we should note today the MRI results of Carson Wentz's foot. That will determine whether or not he has to have surgery. And when So a bone injury, if it happens early, he may miss the first week or two of the season, but he'll play. Bones heal. They have, there are proven ways to heal bones. They, those, are, those are not problems. If it's ligament damage, that's that's where you get into possible season-ending type stuff, depending on what happened to his foot. Now, to replace Carson Wentz, I think the logical response is to make a trade for Nick Foles, former Super Bowl MVP, lots of starts under his belt, lots of experience, and is currently a third-string quarterback in Chicago. Now, Matt Nagy, the head coach, said that in his conversation – with Nick Foles, that he's never had a conversation with a player like that before who's been told they would be the third-string player after having the accolades and the resume that a guy like Nick Foles has. He says 95% of the players in this league would not have that response, and rightfully so. Nick Foles is one of the nicest people on the planet, okay, and I'm not surprised to hear these types of things from Matt Nagy. So could Nick Foles be the new starting quarterback in Indianapolis? I would certainly love to see it. I would hate to see Nick miring on the sidelines in Chicago, watching the battle between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields when we know that there's a Super Bowl MVP quarterback sitting there on the sidelines just waiting for an opportunity to play. I'd rather see him on the field in Indianapolis with a chance to go to the playoffs once again. And that's some of your NFL report. Um, If anything new comes about before the end of the show, we will certainly hit on that. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, more headlines and more sports news right here on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So this week starts training camp for the Arizona Wildcats football team, and they're doing something that is unprecedented, certainly in Tucson sports as far as it pertains to Arizona football. Uh, But Jetfish announced, of course, several weeks ago that they were going to have open dates during training camp for fans and media to come watch the team. And the first of those weekend dates begins this Friday, August 6th, as FanFest kicks off. They're calling it FanFest. Now, there's going to be all kinds of fun, you know, fun things for the for the fans to do uh, for the family. There's a kid zone. Um, There's going to be a DJ, some prizes, games things like that. Again, it's all free. And August 6th, this Friday, is when it starts. Now, practice is going to start at 8.30 a.m. 
on Friday. But Fan Fest opens at 9. It runs till noon. So it'll be three hours of Fan Fest, and then there will be an autograph signing immediately following the practice at noon. The same schedule is in play for Saturday, August 7th, a 9 a.m. to noon Fan Fest, followed by autographs after practice. And then on Sunday, practice is going to start at 7.30 p.m., where Fan Fest is from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., probably a little late for the kiddos to be out there on a uh, on a Sunday night, but, um, you know, take them out there for, you know, an early uh, thing after dinner or something, or the adults can stay out late and uh, watch the uh, watch the scrimmages as well. Or the, uh, the, the um, uh, yeah, because the, um, the two scrimmages that are going to be on Sundays that they're going to have. So, uh, so that should be fun. And look again; it's it's an unprecedented time for what they're doing in at Arizona football with the new regime, of course, and what Jed Fish and his coaching staff have been doing, allowing a lot of open access to this team, and and they embrace that. And it all kicks off this Friday. So I'm interested to see what kind of crowds they get at the uh, at the practice facilities for the fan fest, you know, things, especially the ones in the mornings. You know, those are. Those are pretty early on a Friday, 9 a.m. But I think you know the buzz that is out there, at least just based on the people that I've talked to in Tucson and just reading some of the things on Twitter and uh, some of the fan sites and such, you get you get relays from that. The fans are genuinely excited. And I know, let's try not to get too excited. They haven't even played a game yet. I get it, okay? But they haven't had any games on the schedule. So... You can't win games that you haven't played. That's that's my that's my response to the people who say he hasn't won a game yet. Well, you can't win games that haven't been played. You can only play who's on the schedule. Yada yada yada. You can't deny that what Jed Fish and this program and what his staff have done in the time that he's been here. You can't deny that it is refreshing, exciting, enticing, whatever whatever adjective you want to throw on there. It has been all of the above. And it has gotten people extremely excited for Arizona football. And it has gotten the alumni rallied behind this program for the first time in a long time. There have been a lot of letter winners on campus visiting with the coaches, talking with them, talking about some of the, some of the great stories that have occurred in Arizona football over the years. And I'm not talking about just Dick Tomey guys. I'm talking about Stoops guys, Rodriguez guys that have been on campus and visiting with Jed Fish and the staff. This is all, this is all stuff that, that Arizona fans have wanted, right? When, when, you, when you talked with Arizona fans about what's missing from Arizona football, aside from the obvious, okay, the wins, when you talk to them about what's, what's been missing from Arizona football, they always had the same answer. We want to get back to Desert Swarm days. We want to get back to that feeling of what it was like in Desert Swarm. We want to build the defense. We want to get former letter winners, former you know, alumni on campus. Want to hire more coaches that have been in an Arizona uniform? Jetfish has gone. Okay, it's like he's been reading everything that Arizona fans have wanted over the last twelve to fifteen years. Made note of it and is now like, okay, check, 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 check. Just marking things off his list. Fans say they want to go back to Desert Swarm era. Hey, uh, athletic director Dave Hickey. Can we get some new uniforms? And when I say new, I mean old uniforms to play in this year where we're going to play in one helmet and we're going to play in just very basic colors, but we want to make it look like they used to look, obviously keeping our jerseys modern, 
can we can we talk to Nike about about that? Dave Dave Hickey says, yeah, let's do that. Let's do some you know retro uniforms. We'll do some clean white helmets with the red and blue stripes and the block A on them all season long, and the players will look like they're decked out in the Desert Swarm type uh, type type uniforms. Okay, check. Fans wanted that. What else did the fans want? Fans wanted more former players on the staff. We need to hire guys on the staff that are that are committed to Arizona football and know what it's like to play Arizona football. Jed Fish goes, yep, check. Got that. Got three of them. How's that sound? Including Teddy Bruschi. Now, Teddy Bruschi's not on the coaching staff, but Teddy Bruschi has a significant role in this program. So he checks that box. How about giving more access to the fans, more access to the the team, more more access behind the scenes? Okay. Well, he's been completely transparent on Twitter about what's happening, and he's had a whole lot of fun doing it. Okay. So there's number one. Number two, he's like, can we open up two weeks of practices during the month of August, leading up into the season? have some games for the fans to come out and play, do a family type of atmosphere, have autograph signings afterwards. Check, check, check. These are all things that fans have been clamoring for over the years. I mean, these are these are changes to the Arizona program that that we have been wanting and and crying for. Now, does it lead to victories? Again, I don't know. But I will tell you this, when I read stories about how four-star four star tight ends from the state of California who have offers from legitimately every big program in the country had been committed to USC, a hometown commit, grew up five minutes from the USC campus, decommits from USC to go to their southern division rival in Tucson, who is in the middle of a 12-game losing streak and have not been relevant for years, decides to go to Tucson where his dad played football under Dick Tomey in the Desert Swarm era and has now verbally committed to that program. That's moving the needle. That's making changes that matter. The uniforms don't matter. Jed Fish even mentioned that. He said, uniforms don't matter. we we, we got to play football. Okay, That's just the... the the attire that we're required to play when we play football. We know that we know that the, you know, the, the uniforms don't matter. Even though the fans are going to talk about the uniforms every chance they get, it's look, it's the it's the day and age that we are in. Oregon changed the game when they went to the ninety-three different combinations of uniforms that can be worn, and therefore has made it more of a a microscope for fans to look at. What are they wearing today? What's the color combination today? And Arizona has consistent, consistently tweeted out and made known uh, several days before the game kicks off, this is our pattern. This is what we're wearing. We're going to red, red on white on blue or red on red on red or blue on blue. On, we know, we've seen the, the information, the tweets that are out there. We're going to get to see them again this year, and it's always going to start with the same thing, white helmet, just like we always have but it doesn't change what happens on the field. It gets us all feeling better about the program. It makes us feel like our input matters, right? And that's ultimately, I think, what fans want secondary to W's is the feeling that their opinions matter, that their voices are being heard. 
and you can't say that your voice has not been heard because the majority of the fans have now gotten what they wanted with all of these offseason changes that Jed Fish and his, and his staff have brought in, and they're improving on it. They're doing things that we didn't even ask for. Go out and get the best three players from the state of California. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll do that. Oh, they're already committed? That's, that's not a problem. We'll, we'll, we'll still we'll bring them in. It's fine. We'll get this. Bravo. Bravo. All right. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, we will put a big, bright red, shiny bow on this Monday edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. Final segment of today's edition, a Monday edition. Boy, it went fast. Man, that's what happens when you got, you know, like, you probably hear me shuffling through papers here. These are all the notes that I take uh, as I'm kind of just prepping for the show leading up until we actually start the show, whether it's whether it happens within a 12-hour period overnight and in the morning or over a three-day period of time like we had uh, over the weekend, which there was plenty of stuff going on in the, uh, in the world of sports, especially with the Olympics going on and all the drama and disappointment that's happening to Americans over there. Now, uh, don't forget to tune in 3 o'clock today to Spears and Ali. They have a, uh, they'll have a great show planned for you, of course, and uh, we'll have some, maybe some more interesting news about some recruiting information and such for both Arizona football and Arizona basketball, but we keep it local here in the mornings and in the afternoon drive right here on ESPN Tucson. If you're, if you're looking at the, I, I, I guess let's, when you talk about college football's realignment, okay, if you're looking at what is going to happen in the landscape over the next four years, okay? Again, I think most people have agreed that it's not going to be July 1st, 2025, when Texas and OU start scheduling their SEC games. I believe it's going to happen uh, long before then. Now, I'm off my podium of that that happening this season because it's just now based on the cease and desist from Bob Bowlesby at the Big 12, the impending lawsuit and things like that, that's going to slow everything down. And I do believe that Texas and OU will play the Big 12 schedule this year, which is going to be weird. But I do not expect them to play an entire four, four seasons of, uh, of conference games in the Big 12. It's just not going to happen. The, the SEC is going to want them. ESPN are going to want them over there a lot sooner than 2025. We have talked about, pontificated, opined, as to what the other conferences should do. Many people believing that the Pac-12 should expand, that the Pac-12 should invite some other schools. And, look, my stance the entire time has been, okay, who, who do you want to invite to the Pac-12? Who do, you, who do you invite to the Pac-12 that makes this conference better? And I don't just mean with six more wins in football, okay? Because what's left over in the Big 12 not really enticing. It's not. Just adding teams just to add teams is stupid. And I've, I've said that I can't, I can't even begin to repeat more how, how asinine that idea is. Just to add teams to the conference 
would diminish the amount of shares that each team gets at the end of the season, and therefore each school would make less money because the remaining schools that are left over in the Big 12 are not going to be playing for championships. They are not teams that are in the playoff consistently enough. They are not schools that are going to provide enough in other areas that give the Pac-12 any type of more of a power play. And it's not like these markets are giving the Pac-12 that many more eyeballs to watch the product. Okay, Manhattan, Kansas, and Ames, Iowa aren't moving the needle for the Pac-12. Not going to happen. Lubbock, Texas, and Waco are not moving the needle for the Pac-12. So get over the thought that it's going to happen because look, whatever, what, six years ago, eight years ago, whatever it was, ten years ago maybe, I don't remember, I'm bad with time. The Pac-12 reached out to Texas and OU and it almost happened and ESPN fronted the money for the Longhorn Network that kept Texas in the Big 12. That was it. That was the last time the Pac-12 had tried expansion, and it's probably the last time they will do it. So get used to it. We're going to have to find more creative ways to make more money in this conference. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Congratulations to Josh Meadmore for winning the tickets today, and, of course, thanks to Mary for all her hard work behind the glass and keeping us on the air, pushing all the right buttons, doing all the right things back there. We'll see you guys again here tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, The Jeff Dean Show, on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.